0: Welcome to another episode of Quest Diagnostics Dialogues. Here we present discussions with experts in diagnostics and specialty medicine, designed to keep you up to date with the hottest clinical topics. Tune in to hear Dr. Damien, aka Pat Alasia, Senior Medical Director for Quest Diagnostics interview a variety of medical luminaries to get their take on some of the complex challenges faced by hospitals and health systems. This is Dr. Damien Aladra from Quest Diagnostics welcoming you to our sixth and final Diagnostics Dialogue podcast for 2021. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in the shoes of a chief medical officer of a Fortune 500 healthcare company? To make decisions daily that potentially impact millions of people across the United States and hundreds of thousands of healthcare professionals who are completely dependent on the information that you provide in terms of diagnostic testing and insights. Well, if you've ever had any interest in understa- understanding how a big-time CMO thinks about these things, processes all this information, builds teams and acts, then you're in for a treat. Because today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Jay Woolgemuth, the Chief Medical Officer and Senior Vice President of R&D, Population Health, and all things scientific and medical at Quest diagnostics, which, as you know, is a $10 billion company who lives and breathes on the cutting edge of diagnostic testing and insights, and who was and continues to be a major force in addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. So, with that as a little bit of background, I want to thank you, Dr. Uh, Jay, for being at the uh, being with the show. And before we get started, I'd like for you to take a uh, a deep dive into your background and your pedigree. You know, tell us about what it what it's like. You know, how you came along to be at Quest. You know, what your life was like before Quest, and then also Give us an idea of the themes that you're seeing going forward that are going to be impacting the work that you do. Thanks so much, Jake.
1: Give us a little bit of background. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. And um, I'll give you a little bit of background on the journey, which was, um, you know, I went to medical school at Stanford and did internal medicine and then came back to Stanford for cardiology. And that was really all about a research focus, really, at that point. You know, and still we don't really have a molecular grip on atherosclerosis. And so I got into cardiology there. And just as I was finishing my fellowship, my my mentor, who is the chairman of cardiology, uh, founded uh, with me, co-founded a company called XDX. And I had always thought I would go up and become an academic, you know, clinician and take that path and then maybe get involved with industry. But this was a pretty unique opportunity. And. So I asked my boss, hey, will you have me back here if things don't work out? And so we got into that. And actually what it was, um, was we determined early on that we could develop a blood test for cardiac transplant rejection. Wow. And so for the la- for the next six years, that's all we did. And actually we did develop that test. It was called Alumap. We got FDA approval, we got a reimbursement and we got it in the guidelines. And it was an amazing journey, super fun. You know, I did every job there from sweeping the floors to the chief medical officer. Um, And then from there, I just sort of realized there's so much that you can do in industry and research and in implementation research. Um, I knew I was, you know, kind of hooked. I went to Genentech and ran their uh, drug development programs for Ocrelizumab, also ran their biomarker programs there. And then in 2009, I was recruited to go down to Quest Diagnostics to be the um, head of R&D. And I can tell you from all that experience, you know, I love being able to actually make change in healthcare. And Quest is a very, very unique place in that every day we're processing over 500,000 samples from real patients out there who need us, right? And at the same time, we have to think about innovation across all the different areas of laboratory testing, which is pretty extensive, you know, sort of mandate. And then finally, and we'll talk about it some today, we find ourselves in the center of healthcare, you know, connecting health plans, health systems, consumers, doctors, and really in a pretty unique position to provide not just advanced testing, but what I call consumer-centric care. Right where we can we can service people in their homes or in patient service centers or in Walmarts and provide all the high quality medical services that are needed, particularly in today's world where you just got to bring health care to the patient. So for all those reasons, I really have enjoyed working at Quest, very dynamic, always thinking about the patient, maybe even much more than other healthcare companies, because it's right there. You know, every day uh, we have to provide that service.
0: And I think that, you know, to pick up on that point, you know, we do, and you do, you lead from the front, you lead from the top, and you do keep the patient's interest at the, um, at the core of everything we talk about. And, you know, we all thank you for that. We never lose sight of that. We do a lot of very incredibly cool um, things on the scientific side, but care is at the core. So, you know, with that as a little bit of background, I realize you did that all before you were 27 years old, and I appreciate you being here now with us at, you know, your, and, and your youth. But um, as our head of R&D, Dr. Nigel Clark likes to say, these past two years of the COVID pandemic have been the longest 10 years of our lives. You and your team have demonstrated an incredible amount of leadership poise and management expertise that started way back in January 2020. I mean, you all pivoted from the 2020 plan very quickly, which we meticulously laid out and very quickly disposed of, when COVID came you know, uh, knocking at our door. Can you take us through that journey um, about your thoughts and your role and just share with us what that was like to pivot so quickly from no test to hundreds of thousands of tests in a very short period of time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a wild ride the um, last couple of years. And it was really February of 2020, we knew that this was coming over and we knew it was gonna be really significant. And we actually um, rapidly were able to validate our testing using samples from our partner in South Korea, which was very rewarding actually to you know be able to really work with a Asian laboratory like uh, Green Cross. But I would say overall, it was just uh, incredibly energizing for our team. And we really punched through at Quest in, in being able to all rally around very clear goals and execute in real-time on going from zero to 200,000 PCR tests a day. And and also creating all kinds of products like the self-collection kits um, for the PCR programs and return to work and return to school services. and. You know, I'd say it's just been great to be able to provide a contribution. Our team really knows that we're wanted and needed in this uh, pandemic. And I think we've done a great job. And now realizing that this is no longer the emergency pandemic it was before. This is now becoming a new normal of we need to, you know, continue to provide testing we need to think about what are the next variants that are coming. We need to think about what other respiratory viruses are coming and provide this kind of service around respiratory viral testing for the long term, right? And and I think we're a better company for it, meaning we can execute so much better than we could before. And the, the whole thing had a very powerful accelerating effect for our teams.
0: So I'm going to go off script here just a little bit, Jay. And ask you about your mindset um when it came to the pandemic i mean here you are you know an established cmo you are doing great things in oncology with clinical care pathways all this stuff and then a pandemic comes around i mean a global pandemic and you know your you know bosses you know your operations people you know steve Rakowski is saying jay we need to get this test out Nobody's done this before. Nobody's gone from zero to 160 miles an hour in such a short period of time. And I'm really asking you this question for the young CMOS um, or the other system CMOS. Wonder what were you thinking? How did you get your head around what your needs were to deploy this in a very short the, deploy these tests in a very short period of time?
1: it just becomes clear that we absolutely have to do this. We're going to do it as fast as we can. We'll do our best job and that's all we can do, you know, that sort of attitude. But there is a certain amount of clarity around it, which is, hey, guys, drop everything. We're going to get this done. And um, and the dropping everything's not that hard either, you know, because we really have to address this pandemic. And, you know, you're also living it with your own families. Right. And you're living it in your own community, seeing this happen. And um, you just jump into sort of survival instinct mode of let's go, guys, and everyone on our team jumped in with that same, that same feeling. Now, I did have to coach our team to say, look, there's no failure here, meaning you're going to do the best you can, and we're going to deliver the best we can, and that's the best we can do. And, and uh, it turns out our team did a tremendous job and hit several home runs along, around, along the way, but you can't go into it with that mindset of, I'm gonna fail, or what if I fail or can't get it done? You're not going to fail in something like this. you just deliver the best that you can. So no
0: failure, key um, message here, and also, I think that you kept a very high esprit de corps. I mean, you galvanized the team and you know and let the people lead from where they were, and it was it's just been an impressive piece of work to watch and be part of. So as we look forward as a country and as an organization, how are we applying these learnings from the COVID pandemic um, to our vision of the future? What have we learned and what is what do we carry over?
1: I love that question and I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think I already covered the first part, which is we work differently at Quest Diagnostics, but also in many, many other places around the country. We now work on Zoom, but we are also getting back together in person. And there's some you know, camaraderie that we have within Quest and having worked on this pandemic together. And that's gonna be enduring for us. I I think it's changed our culture. But as far as, you know, healthcare is concerned, I had two themes that are just totally obvious to me. And I'd like to put it into context, which is let's go back to March and April of 2020. We have the worst healthcare crisis in the history of this country. And we're telling consumers you must get tested, but don't go to the physician's office and don't go to the health system. So where do you go? So we ended up, you know, lining up people in parking lots throughout the U.S. to do swabs. And that's not a great solution. And, and then in May of 2020, we developed home-based self-collection kits for PCR. And those kits allow you to swab at home, send the box in through FedEx, get a result in a couple of days, no one leaves the home. No one has to wear uh, protective gear. Um, it's just a highly consumer centric approach. And then you ask yourself, well, why weren't we doing this before? Why would, we, why would we think about asking a person to drive into a health system to get a nasal swab done? And, and then if you zoom out a little bit and you look at the huge gaps in care that occurred, the disruption in care that occurred due to the pandemic, You say, well, this isn't just an issue of respiratory viruses. This is a all of healthcare needs to be consumer centric. And when I when I mean consumer centric, it it, it means that you do everything you possibly can from the person's home. Uh, So how does that come to life? We send a home based self collection kits for annual primary care. Um, We have telemedicine services that we provide people with those home kits if we can't do it in a home kit we could have the person go to a quest patient service center in a Safeway or a walmart and have it done there and provide extensive not just testing but medical diagnostics and telecare and virtual care services on top of that and then when the person really needs to go into the health system to have a baby or have their knee replaced that's what they do but a lot of what we're doing on the back end of this pandemic is trying to deliver health care directly to people where they sit. And I'm going to say this is just a spotlight from the pandemic that made us wake up to this. But this has been a problem with the effectiveness of our healthcare system for a long time. So great accelerator there. And then, you know, the other thing, of course, we learned is we're going to be ready for the next uh, respiratory viral pandemic. And not to be a doomsday guy, but there will be another. And we actually know what viruses are out there circulating. And we're going to be in a position in the future to have assays ready to bring off the shelf for those big threats. And also surveillance programs so we know what's coming over. And we're much more ready to scale up testing in uh, in real time, you know, next time there's a epidemic or pandemic uh, threat. So you're
0: framing this very nicely
1: in terms of innovation,
0: accelerating changes in healthcare, adapting to the changes. In the area of innovation, whether it's rapid point of care diagnostics, consumer wearables, telemedicine, pharmacogenomics, just to name a few, where does Quest fit into this ecosystem? I mean, everything's changing so rapidly, and I see the laboratory as really the operating system for healthcare. Without the test, without the lab, nothing happens. But, you know, here you are in your position, and you're thinking strategically up 10 or 15 years. What does Quest look like, and how do we begin to fit into all these you know, rapid changes?
1: I think you nailed the main theme, really, is that we do lab testing, and there's a lot of innovation around lab testing, and that's great, by the way. But what we really do is we provide diagnostic information services. And if you start to think about it that way and you look at what happened in the pandemic, we are, I like your operating system, you know, concept, because we actually are one of the very few um, entities in healthcare that is connected to everyone. Right. Uh, we connect with consumers, we connect with physicians, health systems, health plans, employers, We are able to speak to 675 make and model of EMR, which is not because we wanted to, but because we had to, right? And now you're you're saying, okay, well, this is not just lab testing. We need a system that will enable high-quality, reasonable-cost, consumer-centric care, be it preventative care or chronic disease management. And we can really enable that with not just the testing again, but the services and the patient service centers and the home kits and, and telemedicine solutions. So if you kind of look at it that way, I think the pandemic definitely had people realize how central Quest is to the healthcare system. And then, you know, to your point, a lot of the innovation is not the new test, but implementation science, which is how do we really engage people with the care that we already know works? We already know colorectal screening saves lives, and we know uh, diabetic monitoring and care saves lives. So we just need to get that to people and have the connections made between people, physicians, health plans, health systems, et cetera. And that's a lot of hard work, you know, in healthcare and a lot of where the innovation is that we're working on now. So
0: many of us get trained on the cutting edge of medicine and, you know, all the really great technology, the, the, the um, great services, you know, high end, you know, things, but you are talking about implementation science, you know, preventative care and chronic care, which gets me to my next question. You, and I'd say have led and have been, you know, a major force behind um, employee health and wellness, and also not only, you know, physical health, but mental and emotional health. Can you give us some um, insight as to why that's so important? Because I know it's made a huge difference to, you know, the group of people that I work with and certainly myself, my family, why, you know, you've been, you've been talking about this for a while and you're implementing it and we're seeing the results of it. Why is this, why did you you see this as so important?
1: It's a great question. And I'm very passionate about this. Um, because I've worked in healthcare trying to find ways to make make positive change in healthcare for my whole career, and it's very, very difficult, as you know, uh, to move the needle. But when I, um, in 2015, uh, my boss, our CEO, gave me responsibility for the Quest employee health plan. And what I learned through that is, uh, you know, we've managed a 60,000 member, $400 million health plan and the costs are increasing greatly for both the employees and the, uh, the company over, over recent years. Um, and we work with health plans, and, and with all due respect, they're, they're good companies, but it's not their people, and it's not their money. And so it's our people and our money. And, in fact, these employees, I have employees that have been here 50 years and on average, I have employees that stay here 10 years. So if you look at it like that and you say, okay, we're actually responsible for the physical and mental health services of this 60,000 person population, not only are we re- responsible, we're paying for the care. And what we found in the last five to six years is if you put a really strong effort into population health services and delivering services directly to that population, you can move the needle on the triple aim. We have probably saved the company and our employees about 50 or 60 million dollars. And when we make those, find those savings in the system, we redeploy them either at keeping healthcare costs lower for our employees or investing in population health services, mental health services. Um, we just added an expanded mental health program, pharmacogenetic testing improve telecare uh, uh, services, et cetera. And for all that work, our team actually won the C Everett Coop Award in 2020 as the single best population health implementation in the country that year. So anyhow, coming back, I just looking across healthcare, if you're gonna make change, one of the places we can really make a difference is employee healthcare. And I think we've shown that at Quest, but hey, you know, employers are paying for healthcare, care and 110 million people in the U.S., so this is a big part of the engine that needs to be, we need to, you know, use to improve healthcare care in a significant way, and we've shown we can do it. So is part of that effort um,
0: demonstrated by the Blueprint for Wellness, and is that available for other, other people outside of Quest, or is that just a Quest product? Because I, the Blueprint for Wellness, as I've seen it, is fabulous. But I wanted to see what your thoughts were.
1: Yeah, Pat, that's great. Now, the Blueprint for Wellness is the basic program that we use of testing, questionnaire, biometrics, and then interpretive results for the employees that link to telecare solutions and other solutions for them. And we never experiment with Quest employees, okay? We implement new programs we think will help with diabetes or we think will help with mental health. But when those services work, and we actually publish the results when that happens, we then make those services available to other employers through our employer population health business. And so, you know, it's kind of a learning lab. And again, we don't experiment with our people, but boy, when we see something that works to get diabetics into care or to deal with COVID, we then make it available to other employees uh, of other companies through our business arm. And so it's pretty unique setup to have both the internal program and the external employer business side-by-side side so we can find what works and roll it out to other uh, employers.
0: So I think one of the most amazing things about the Blueprint for Wellness is, certainly among the docs who are a very competitive group of people, they all like to talk about their scores. And, and uh, you know, if it's a high score, they talk about it. If, if it's, a, you know, not a great score, they just, you know, say, well, next year I'm going to get there. So it makes a difference in terms of uh, inspiring um the people that are, are working within Quest, and also I think it just it, it demonstrates a commitment to the health and well-being of the people, you know, within the organization. So, Jay, your broad remit includes research and development, medical affairs, population health. We talked about employer health, to name a few. What's changed about the way we are engaging our strategic partners, you know, such as our academic medical centers, our integrated delivery systems, our large group practices, over the past several years?
1: Well, I I think a couple of trends that I could see. I mean, I've been at this for 12 years, and I think we've evolved to a point at Quest where we partner with academics as academics, meaning um, we openly publish all the results of uh, our findings, and we just use authorship criteria that say, you know, whoever contributed uh, is a co-author, and and we publish, um, good, bad, or indifferent, right? And I think that, a lot of our academic partners have come to appreciate the way we operate there. And uh, I think the other thing is, you know, in the past, if you think of Quest as a testing machine, right, that's cranking out uh, uh, CBCs, um, that's one thing. But if you start to look at this implementation science piece that I'm talking about, which is how does a health plan, an employer, a health system, a physician office, effectively engage patients in high quality care, preventative or chronic care, and move the needle on atrocious gaps you know that we have in our system. And Quest is a big enabler of that. And so a lot of that conversation we're having now goes far beyond what's the latest, greatest test and is much more about, hey, how can we work together to make healthcare work better um, in these different environments, meaning driving the triple aim. And there's an awful lot of ways that Quest helps um, those big entities drive the triple aim. And it's a much more strategic conversation maybe than we had, you know, years ago that was much more just about testing itself. Well, it
0: changes the paradigm, you know, and from doing the really cool, the wild, esoteric test to bringing it back to the place where people really need the testing before they get sick and i think that you've led you know led us to un- begin to understand that you have a lot of you know incredibly talented incredibly well educated highly published you know intellectuals here you know in the uh, medical affairs group and you know now you're allowing us to think differently about you know how to improve healthcare and you know i'm just speaking on behalf of myself and my colleagues we all thank you for that it's a bit of a jolt
1: but it's very very thanks pat that's super nice. I, I just want to double down on one concept, and you mentioned it earlier. There is so much more value in moving the needle by 10% on diabetic care engagement, or colorectal screening, or cholesterol management, than there is around the next big drug or diagnostic test. And I love the next molecular diagnostic test, and we're always working hard to find what that is, but. If you really look at value in healthcare, if you just can move the needle ten percentage points on engagement in a population with the very basics, um, you're gonna you're gonna do an awful lot of good from a outcomes and health economics standpoint. And and that's our you know again we we love the new esoteric testing and advanced testing and there's value there as well. But it's just sort of a mindset around you gotta we gotta make healthcare work with just the basics. Um, and yes, advanced testing is also a part of the picture, but making the basics work is what we're we're trying to do. Well,
0: and you're doing it. And you know, I'd uh, like to ask you more about that, but maybe that's for another interview because it's absolutely an essential piece of what we need to do as healthcare leaders. So, one of the things that uh, you um, mentioned earlier was our academic affiliations. Um, that surprised me. You know the, the intensity of our academic affiliations, the fact that we publish over 100, 120 peer-reviewed publications a year, you know, 300, 400, every you know several years. That's a lot. Um, what does that look like in terms of you know where we'll we be going with those academic affiliations, which are so critically important to the work that you know we're doing every day?
1: Well, I tell you, it's um, it's changed over the last 10 years. I would say. Uh, We've always published a lot, and we take great pride in in doing that. And 10 years ago is much more lab medicine and what is the latest cancer test uh, and test-by-test type uh, publications. And over the last 10 years and now, it's much broader. And a lot of it has to do with uh, population health, um, using our big data um, as a way to drive um, health trends analysis, we call it. Um, Many people don't know, we have Quest data for the last 10 years in a database together with ICD-9 and 10 codes and demographics and from that we actually do an awful lot of publishing and analysis around lead levels in the water in the US and gaps in care for cancer and trends for LDL and, and COVID trends and that data has become a big part of how we partner to uh, drive academic uh, publications and efforts. And then the other piece being more and more implementation science. We're publishing a lot of articles with our partners um, on here's how we can implement a diabetes program successfully in in an inner city population. Or here's uh, a approach to pharmacogenetic testing that can scale. And it's all about proving that you can actually implement something that improves healthcare, care, uh, both quality and cost. And everyone is interested in this. And really, if you think about it, isn't that what we're trying to do, is implement solutions at the end of the day that actually move the needle on healthcare? care. So very broad set of publications that we do. And again, much more focused these days on implementation of effective uh, population health solutions.
0: Well. You're moving the needle and i think that you're showing people what it's like to move the needle by doing the simple things exceptionally well and you know, you know we all love the, the the very new cutting edge esoteric test but when you save a population of a hundred thousand people from uh progressing to you know um, advanced diabetes or to you know chronic kidney failure um, or you pick up the early colorectal uh, cancers uh, before they advance the liver, you know that you've made a difference, and, you know, you're part of changing that uh, that thinking. So thank you for that. So we only have a few more minutes left here, Jay. I usually like to ask our guests, you know, what the three points are, but in deference to you and your position and the way you think, I want to ask, really, what what are your take-home messages? People are going to be listening to this and say, well, you know, um, what did Dr. Wilgemuth, what did Jay say the other day that um, was so memorable? And I know that you have a lot in your in your quiver um, to share. What do you want us to remember? What are the take home things?
1: We just went through this pandemic, and we saw a tremendous disruption in healthcare, right? And that made us think about how is our healthcare system designed. And if I step back and I even move the pandemic away, and just look at the healthcare system in the U.S., I'm going to say we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, and we have very, very expensive health care, and we have huge gaps in engagement with preventative care and chronic disease management. And part of the reason is our system is not consumer-friendly, right? And so, you know, you think about this COVID analog here. We rapidly determined, of course, it makes sense to do home-based self-collection PCR. And now I want to challenge everyone out there in healthcare to say, well, shouldn't it be the case that we deliver the most convenient high quality care to the person in every case that we can? And that benefits everyone. It's low cost, it's high quality, and by the way, convenience is not just a, a form factor. Convenience is actually a clinical matter. Right? If you look at, you know, the engagement in healthcare in our country and the you know low compliance with preventative care measures that we know work, then I'm gonna say we all need to do our very hard work of reorienting our healthcare system to provide all the services we can directly to the patient where they are in a highly effective consumer centric way, have all the data flow back to where it needs to go. And this needs to be done in every part of healthcare in the US, be it in a health plan, a health system, an employer plan, um, et cetera. So an awful lot of work to do. And it wasn't just the pandemic. The pandemic just shined the spotlight on the issue. And now we need to fix the issue to make more and more of what we deliver in healthcare really uh, based on consumer-centric needs and, and delivering it right to their doorstep.
0: Well, wow. Well, with that, we're gonna, Close out, at Jay, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you clearly embody the best of Quest. You lead from the front, like I said, and we all, you know, um, in medical affairs, and I'd say across the organization, greatly appreciate what you and your team do every day. I think we covered, you know, care being at the core, um, diagnostics being more than just a test, it's diagnostic information services. We're talking about paradigm shift. Um, towards consumer-based health care, meeting people where they are, and I think most importantly, making it affordable. Um, again, thank you so much. Um, and I want to thank the audience, too, today for giving us another opportunity to talk to one of our great doctors uh, at uh, Quest Diagnostics. If you'd like to hear more about um, the work that we're doing at Quest, you know, please feel free to check in uh, on our podcasts that are available on Spotify, iTunes, and other uh, podcast platforms. Again, Dr. J, thank you so much. Thanks again. That's it for this episode of Diagnostics Dialogues. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on your favorite podcast apps. And follow us on LinkedIn for more cutting-edge content and to engage with the position guests from the program. Be sure to visit our site, Quest Dialogues.com. Until next time.